This podcast is brought to you by Onnit. Go to onnit.com slash Dolce and save 10% on everything on the website. Also, I want you to check out one of my newest favorite products, which is the Onnit Total Gut Health. I've been trying this for 30 days now. In the last 30 days, I feel absolutely amazing. A gut biome of friendly probiotic bacteria is not only important for digestion, it is also where a great deal of our important nutrients are produced. In addition, these all-important little allies are also responsible for maintaining a healthy immune system. In order to support the gut biome, Onnit included five acid-resistant strains of probiotics, including S. Bilardi, a prebiotic food to feed our little digestive buddies. I've been using this... Again, like I said, for the last 30 days, I absolutely love it. I haven't been big on taking probiotics or digestive enzymes. I do feel a difference. So those of you, if you, you respect what I say, if you like what I say, and you're having a little bit of problem with your tummy, go to onnit.com slash Dolce, get your 10%, but try the total gut health, and then let me know. If you have any questions, you know I'm available to answer. That's onnit.com slash Dolce. Shut up and sit down. Hey guys, this episode of the Mike Dolce Show has Mr. Jerry Ward of BioS3 Training. Jerry Ward is one of the most successful YouTube fitness personalities. Now what does that mean? Some of you are very familiar with YouTube, some of you maybe not at all. YouTube is the video partner of what this podcast essentially is, video or YouTube has individuals like myself that are putting out content. They're putting out content that is more in video form. Well, Jerry is one of the first YouTube fitness pod or fitness content creators, and he's done an amazing job. He's built a massive channel, and he has a very large reach. What I like about Jerry is his honesty. Now, he and I don't agree on everything, and that's fine, nor should we. But Jerry, at the very least, he'll tell you what he thinks, he'll tell you why he thinks it, and he'll give you first-hand practical experience as to what he's seen with his his insights. And he's also a high-level competitive NPC bodybuilder and physique competitor, and he trains many athletes in that realm. What's interesting about that is Jerry is very open about his past drug use. He took massive amounts of anabolic steroids, growth hormones, insulins, and the, 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 the deathly... Um, DNP, which is just a horrible, dangerous drug. Jerry, in this podcast, talks about his own drug use, even his own past heroin addictions, which actually catapulted him into the fitness world. It's a a great podcast. It's an awesome conversation. I really enjoyed my time with Jerry. We went out to breakfast before the, the show. I just found him to be a regular, straightforward, honest guy, good personality, very open, warm, friendly, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Due to the sensitive nature of this podcast, I felt it was important to put a disclaimer out there. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry or I or the Mike Dolce show are not medical professionals. Nothing we say on this show is to be misconstrued as medical advice, nor of telling you what to do. We are simply discussing personal experiences. So do not do what Jerry says. Do not do what I say. Do not do anything. Just understand this is for entertainment and educational purposes only. All right, on to the show. Like the show. Push your kid, boy. 
Welcome to the Mike Dolce Show. In studio, we have Mr. Jerry Ward of BioS3 Raw <laughs> TV. Jerry is one of the largest, most successful fitness YouTubers on the planet. And uh, I've been a fan of you and your channel for quite a long time, brother. It's great to have you in. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, man. And you're out here in Las Vegas. Las Vegas. It is so fucking hot out here. I swear to God, it's like I took a trip to the sun. Yes. It's fucking crazy. It was like 110 when I landed the other night and I was standing next to a building and felt the heat coming off the building. I was like, what the fuck? I don't know. I don't know how you live out here, man. I mean, I guess you adapt over time, but <laughs> not really. It's air- uh, I mean, how cold is it in here right now? Though? I mean, I, I don't feel cold. I mean, I really don't. I'm <laughs> honest with you, I don't feel cold. <laughs> it's so hot that it could be like 30 degrees in here. I wouldn't notice. Yeah. You're co- so you're coming in from Virginia. Yeah. Fairfax, which, Virginia. Fairfax, Virginia. So that's uh, East Coast, which yep. is my old stomping grounds, kind of close enough. Well, you were in New Jersey. I was in Rhode Island. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, anything past New Jersey up, yeah, it's pretty much the same until you hit like New Hampshire. So it's it, pretty much the same area. It's funny because we always I I relate very well to people that come from the Northeast. You know, we you get bagged on a lot by the rest of the country because the rest of the country's fucking haters. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that there's a certain work ethic. I call it, there's yeah. a blue collar mentality that comes out of the Northeast, right? We yeah, all work. Our, we saw our parents grow up working hard. Um, not a lot of privilege from the Northeast. You know, it's just fucking hard working concrete jungle. Yeah, there's, I mean, like, you know, I grew up, there was, you know, a lot of construction work, yep. um, you know, clamming, yep. call hogging. Of course, like, of people course. People don't even know what call hogs are in Fairfax. But, um, you know, in Fairfax, it seems like everybody's just kind of focused. They have their head down doing what they're doing. And I feel people, people are much more social in that area on the East Coast. They're like, you know, even if they're just like, fuck you, they're at least talking to you. Absolutely. Rather than just keeping their head down and walking by you, you know. So yeah. it's a little bit different. Yeah, and I think, so when we moved from New Jersey to the West Coast, I felt like literally Superman leaving Krypton and coming to the planet Earth. I felt like that I had superpowers <laughs> simply because I would show up on time and I'd be ready to put in a full day's of work. I wouldn't sit there and, and take a two-hour coffee break and want to fucking talk about whatever the hell hippie shit's going on on the West Coast. I'm down. I'm here. I'm, I'm ready to fucking go. Where is everybody? And you don't really see that very much. Sorry, West Coasters. You don't see that a lot, not like you see in the Northeast. Yeah. Now, how's traffic out here? Because, like, when I got to D.C., D.C. traffic and New England traffic are totally fucking different. How so? Like, I, when I moved here, um, my ex-girlfriend actually moved before me to get everything set up. She's like, oh, I got this great place. It's like seven miles away from your job, like eight miles away from mine. It's perfect. Cool. So I drive down there the first day of work. I'm going into D.C. So I wound up working at Gold's Gym in D.C. in Midtown. And I figured I'd just drive in. No big deal. So I get on the highway, and all of a sudden, we're stopped. I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm looking around, and people are like reading the paper, girls doing their makeup, people eating breakfast. I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm thinking, there must be this huge accident. Like, it must be like a tractor trailer tipped over and hit a cow truck. Like, something's going on. It kind of opens up a little bit, you know, and it takes me about an hour and a half to go about seven miles. Holy right? shit. I get to work. I park in the garage. I go inside, and I'm like, you know, I was still early. Like, you know, New England mentality. It was, yeah. you know, it was way early. And I was like, yeah, that must have been a bad accident. And the guy goes, why? I said, we were stuck in traffic for like an hour and a half. And they started fucking laughing at me. And they're like, no, that's just traffic here. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I'm like, it was stopped. And they're like, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, like, to get somewhere, like, for me to go from Fairfax to Rockville right now, if I hit at the right time, it's 18 minutes. Okay. I hit at the wrong time, hour 45. Holy shit. It's like that's how different it can be. Now, in Rhode Island, I could get up 20 minutes before work, shower, shave, brush my teeth, walk out the door, and still have five minutes of spare at work. Yeah. You know, when they say traffic, that means you're going 40 miles an hour in Rhode Island as opposed to, like, doing the 65 you would normally do. Down at Fairfax, if, you're, if there's traffic, you're fucking sitting in traffic. Well, you just stopped. Yeah, that's, uh, that's like L.A., it sounds like. It, and I think it, people compare... Oh, they say LA is worse in yeah. New York. I think New York's probably worse, but LA is comparable the times I've been there. And I went from Venice Beach to Long Beach. Sure. 
to go to um, C.T. Fletcher's grand opening for Zion Addicts. Yep. And even though it was rush hour, we were still moving. It was like 15 miles You're an hour. Mo- yeah. It was still moving. Back home in D.C., it would just stop. Like You would literally just be stopped there, sitting there, doing emails on your phone, <laughs> going on Instagram, doing whatever the fuck you're doing, but you just don't move. The difference in Vegas, in Vegas, everything is 15 minutes. Everything. The airport's 15 minutes. The strip is 15 minutes. Summerlin's 15 minutes. City Athletic, Jay Jung's gym, 15 minutes. Everything, <laughs> you'll see everything is 15 minutes. I'm, I'm, like I texted you, yeah, I'm 15 minutes. Yeah. It's 15 minutes from here because it's <laughs> you can hop on the 215 to the 15 or you can take the, the surface streets, the side yeah. streets. Everything in Vegas runs. It's a grid. You know, north, south, east, west just runs back and forth. So that's one of the, the beauties about living here and also the convenience to the airport. Yeah. Airport. Literally, it's 12 minutes from my front door to be standing in the parking garage. There's a lot of traffic lights down here. I noticed there's a lot of stops. So when I went from the hotel to the gym yesterday, yeah, literally 20 traffic lights. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, it, it took longer just because of the traffic lights rather than traffic the, itself. This short little, because yeah. you're, so you were going from City Athletic. I was going from um, the Venetian to City Athletic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a lot of traffic lights for sure, but it's, you know. It'll move you. You'll move through. It's probably good because it's still faster than back home. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. So now you're here. Let's talk briefly about why you're here. You're here for the Super League. Super League, yeah. So Jay Jung and Dorian Yates, yep. six-time Mr. Olympia, came up with this concept where it's, you know, some people have been calling it a kind of a CrossFit thing. It's not CrossFit. It's like powerlifting, strongman, and bodybuilding mixed together. And it's the first event. It's happening today at 2 p.m. And it is just like, it's something that it's based on Dorian's blood and guts training system. Like, that's what the sport is based on. So Dorian's training went from being a lifestyle or a training system to now a sport. And uh, it's going to set the bar today as far as what the athletes do. But there's a 3D body scan that they do to check proportions. Not symmetry, but proportions. And there's a formula. So there's metrics to everything. So it takes the judging criteria out of it. So there's no, you know, objective judging. There's just these, these metrics that are followed. And you get a scoring based on those metrics for your symmetry, I know your symmetry, your proportions rather, from the scan. And then they have the, the exercises themselves you compete in. So they have um, the tricep dip, the bicep curl, chest fly, shoulder press, a standing shoulder press, okay. leg extension, leg curl, hack squat, and lat pull down. Okay. And it's as much weight as you can possibly do for 12 reps, one set to failure. Okay. So if you fail on 11, and there's weight classes. So if we're in the 178 class, and one guy gets 11 with 500 pounds, the other guy gets 12 with 500 pounds, he beats him. Okay. But if they both get 12, they go on, you know, they go on to the different exercises. But at the end of it, there's the weight times reps for your weight classes, a okay. formula. So everything is metrics. There's no way for a judge to, you know, assess whether you did the rep or not. They actually have lasers that show the range of motion. You have to break the laser to be a rep. Okay. So it's like that's interesting. I mean, that was going to really, be a question. Yeah. There's, there's no judges whatsoever. And, um, like on the hack squat, you actually have to bottom out in the hack squat. Like you have to hit bang, bang. You have to hit the thing every time you go down. Yep. And it's actually adjustable based on your height. Okay. So it doesn't. It's not like the taller guy has a disadvantage to the low, the shorter guy, even though they're the same weight. They can adjust it based on your height to make it even for everybody. This is actually pretty well thought out. So um, they have one coach with them, yep. which will push them through, you know, their sets or whatever. They have people that put the weights and stuff on for them, so there's no wasted energy with that. Yep. They have so many minutes. I believe it's six minutes to accomplish the full set, including warm-ups. Okay. And it's that one set. So let's say you did, um, you know, 12 reps, but you're like, man, I had a lot left in the tank. Okay, I'm going to rest for a minute because I still have five minutes left or yep. three minutes left, and I'm going to go with my full set now. You know what I mean? So if they think that they left something in the tank, they can try to get that extra weight to get up there higher. And there's like some of the best powerlifters in the world here that I, I don't know them because I'm not a powerlifting, you know, I don't follow sure. powerlifting like that, but there's some monsters here that are not just big, but they're endurance. They're, you know, I mean, 
in proportion. I'm like, holy shit, they look like dinosaurs huh. walking around. And like the women are just as fit. I mean, it's crazy. I'm, I'm shocked at the caliber of athletes that showed up already for the first time. And they turned away a ton of people. Wow. So they only have four hours to stream this live on bodybuilding.com. Okay. So they're trying to do all these athletes in four hours. And this is Super League One. So this is going to set the bar as to what will you know, be in the future. Super League Two is going to happen during Olympia weekend. Okay. And the idea is to eventually have people from all over the world doing these, um, these Super League workouts. And you'll be able to be in Brazil and compete with somebody in America and not have to travel. Okay. Because everything is there, and they have these Super League gyms that they're actually setting up all over the world so that it's a specific certified Super League gym with the camera, the 360 camera, everything there. So that, like, you know, the thing about bodybuilding and powerlifting and all these different things, you have to pay to travel, and a lot of people don't compete because they can't pay. Sure. Well, this thing takes all the monetization out of it. So basically, your friends and family, if they want to go to the event, they can buy a ticket and go today. But if they can't, they can stay home and watch it 360 live on bodybuilding.com as it happens. That's pretty sweet. So they're trying to completely move in a digital direction to where it's not about ticket sales. It's not about, um, you know, having the athlete. Athletes don't pay for the, um, the entrance fee either. So it's okay. like they're not charging you to, you know, in the different organizations, they charge you a fee. If you do three classes, they charge you three fees. They, they took that out of it too. Wow. So their whole thing is to purely get these people that won't compete based on these other things that they can't afford or they're not, you know, just not down with to be able to compete against other people. And, you know, from what I understanding already, if they get these guys at a top caliber writing, more than likely people in other countries and across the country are going to see them try what they're doing in the gym. And if they can either match it or beat it, they're going to want to challenge these guys. Heck yeah. And then it's just, you know, going to continue to grow from there, hopefully. And the winner, is there any prize for the winner? There is. Um, I'm not sure if there's prize money right now. I mean, I think they're moving in that direction. Like this is the first one. It's sure. so new. Like we had a, you know, a, like a basic seminar yesterday by Jay Jung and, the other guys on just how it works and what's going to happen. And, um, you know, eventually I think there's going to be a prize money for it. And, you know, the sponsors like bodybuilding.com, Nike, Uber. I mean, there's some, some big, big people that jumped on it already. And so. you said, so this, the second super league is going to be held during the IFBB Mr. Olympia weekend. Yeah. During the Olympic weekend. That's going to be interesting because I would imagine there's a little bit of a conflict. Yeah. I don't know. Perceived like, conflict, but not in reality, but I don't know. it's totally different. So like if the IFBB, would let somebody do CrossFit and do that? I don't see why this would be any different. I mean, I'm not hearing anything yet about, you know, in the past, the IFBB has been the place to go for bodybuilding. Sure. And, and always will be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the Olympia's, UFC. Yeah. The Mr. Olympia, like you win the UFC title, you're the best yep. in the world, period. Yep. And, you know, if you win the Mr. Olympia, you are the best. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lee Haney, Ronnie Coleman, like it's just never going to change. It's what it is. But this is like the functional training for those athletes that don't want to just pose. Like there are no poses for this. So yeah. it's not bodybuilding, you know what I mean? So I don't think there would be backlash. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, just hear the, your description. What I've seen online, listen to Dorian's interview on Rogan show the other day. Nothing about this seems bodybuilding centric. It seems much more like it, I functional. Would, functional. Like functional training. Yeah. It's it's not powerlifting. It's not Olympic lifting. It's not CrossFit. I mean, it's it's not a physique yeah. competition. Your proportions are measured. It probably it sounds more like a strongman competition. Yeah. Probably closer to the strongman than anything else, but it's cool that they measure proportions. So is that like shoulder to waist ratio right. and, and calf to quad ratio? Yeah, I'm assuming they do measurements with that too. And I mean, it's the bodybuilding movements which yeah. they're doing, like the pull down, the hack squat. So the technically, like those are not even in CrossFit. You know, it's oh. chin ups in CrossFit. We do yeah. pull downs here. So <laughs> bodybuilding chin ups. Movement. You're using that term loosely. <laughs> flip ups, kip ups. That's kip ups. Kip ups. Yeah. 
I, I can't do a kip up. I mean, I'm just not I, coordinated enough. I mean, what the fuck? It's, well, <laughs> I, so we have one of the young ladies, Savannah, who's amazing. The the, the Savannah, uh, she coaches here. She's a CrossFit competitor. I think she was the number sixth ranked woman in Nevada, yeah. uh, which is cool in CrossFit. And she was trying to get me to do the kipping pull-ups and the burpees. I said, well, can you explain why? She's like, what do you mean? I said, well, why? What's what are the we, purpose? What are, what's the purpose? What are we training here? And she's like, uh, your conditioning. I said, uh, a burpee is not proving my conditioning. I said, we can hop on an Airdyne bike. We can go do sprints. We can get in the pool. We can put a heart. Like, so explain to me again. And she's like, uh, would you just shut the fuck up, Dolce? Would you just? And I was like, all right, I get it. I get it. So, yeah, sorry, CrossFitters. I mean, I've watched CrossFit, and I'm like, I can't do that. I mean, I, oh, no, you know, I can't do that shit I knock it all the time, and I'm like, listen. I can't juggle chainsaws and I can't do CrossFit. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to try either <laughs> That's one. Awesome. I'm not fucking stupid enough to try either one. So, you know, it doesn't make any sense. You know, people can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. If you enjoy it, I don't give a fuck. Hell yeah. So I don't, I don't hate, especially anything athletic. Yep. Like I understand that anything you're doing that's athletic takes skill, but talent and genetics. Like it's a blend of things to be good at whatever you're doing. Yeah. And not everybody can just pick it up and do it. You know, yeah. so. You know, it is what it is. Now, and what's cool about CrossFit is I love the community aspect of CrossFit. More so than any other sport, cross fitness oriented sport, CrossFit brings that community in. Mm-hmm. You see a group of 10, 15, 20. There's a CrossFit, I think, Max Effort that's right here in Las Vegas. It's one of the largest CrossFit gyms in the world. They're getting classes like 50 to 80 people. Oh, shit. How <laughs> fucking cool is that? Well, and the flip side, I have seen some CrossFitters out, like at the mall and stuff. Yeah. Oh, and boy. I'm like, did you borrow that jacket from someone? Because there's no fucking way. You know what I mean? You're looking at yeah. them and they look like a pair. You know what I mean? And I'm like, Maybe you go to the CrossFit gym, and that's a cool jacket. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but like you're giving off the wrong impression. Like you know, it's like stolen valor. Yeah, it's stolen fitness. (laughs) The owner of the gym does not want you wearing that (laughs) that that jacket, buddy. So, um, so the the competition is is today, and that's going to be September 29th for those of you listening to the show after the airing. Exciting! Now, six time Mr. Olympia Dorian Yates is going to be there, and he's a buddy of yours. You've actually recently had him on your successful YouTube channel. Yeah, that actually launched the. the interview aspect of my channel. Yeah. Um, I had been kind of looking at different softwares and stuff and I bought one and couldn't get it to work. I don't know. It's just like, of course. it wasn't working. I was like, whatever. And I kind of put it off and J. Jung had actually contacted me and said, hey, you know, Dorian would like to do this interview with you. And I thought he meant he wanted to interview me. Okay. Like, it didn't even dawn on me like, why would, you know, like, it doesn't make any sense. And then he goes, no, he explained it to me and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. So then it was like the countdown was on. I'm like, I need to get this software. I need to learn how to use it. Like, yep. you know, I'm not good with the computer stuff. So it's all new to me when I, when I do this shit. So I got the software and then, you know, I click on the Skype and boom, there he is. He's like, hey, Jerry. And I was like, he knows my name. Like, that's like, oh, oh my God. My yeah. Shit. And I was like, no, I was just kind of froze. Like I had to write down the questions on my phone and I was like, fuck. Is that sucking? And fucking he cool, wasn't though. like, you know, for about maybe 20 minutes before and about a half hour after we talked okay. and just like normal. And I was like, fuck, when I get done, I was just like, he's just like, I mean, a normal guy. Like he's not, when I met him in 97, he was very stoic and very, you know, kind of like, he looked like you want to eat your baby. You know yeah. what I mean? And now... He was just like open and like honest and he would talk about drugs or, you know, he's very spiritual and like just not what I remember. And then, um, you know, when I walked in yesterday, we had a meeting with him, me, Stan Efforting and uh, Jay Jung. Yep. And I'm sitting in this meeting and listening to him talk and I'm just sitting there going, man, he's like a totally different guy, but he's just so chill. Like the vibe around him is so different than it used to be. Sure. And, uh, you know, I told him that. I said, look, you know, I said, your vibe is so different. He goes, well, you know, I was like focused, you know, and like, you know, his focus was in a basement for 50 years. He goes, now now I'm out of the basement. I live in Spain. I like to be in the sun all the time. And, you know, he was cycling. I think he was going cycling today. Oh, wow. This morning and stuff. Yeah. It's going to be a brutal one, champ. The shadow. I mean, he lives in Spain, so I don't know how the heat is. 
between that one to this is another planet no. in Vegas, man. This is Death Valley. People it's forget this is Death Valley. You don't get the name Death Valley because it's nice to live here, <laughs> you know, which is interesting. Um, so we were speaking about your YouTube channel. I want to talk a little bit about that because you really you're one of the most notable um, channel hosts. I mean, broadcasters, I guess. What what is the term? Because um, it's a brand new niche yeah. that you're one of the, the the godfathers of fitness YouTube now. Yeah, I think it's called the fitness YouTube community. That's what okay. it's labeled as. Um, I really don't consider it. I mean, it is BioS3 training. Yeah. But I, and I've had gotten flack for talking about other stuff than training on it. But I'm like, look, BioS3 training is not about just training. Like the three. Yeah. It also means training your mind, body, and soul. Like everything together. It's not yeah. just about going to the gym and getting bigger biceps. It is bigger than that. And uh, I kind of ventured into talking about some of my past and, you know, bringing my personal experiences into it a few years ago. Yeah. And that's what everybody really responded to. Like at first it was the training and stuff, but now if I go to an expo, people will come up to me and it's not about, hey, that was a great bicep workout you did. Or, hey, I tried your leg workout. It's not that shit at all. It's like, hey, you know, I was addicted to pain pills or, you know, my father died when I was this age too. Or, you know, I had an English bulldog, like all the things that just kind of made me, me other people kind of reacted to because, you know, one thing that I learned a long time ago is none of us are different. Like I've learned that, you know, like people go through drug addiction, they have families that die, they go through cancer, people have cancer around them, you know, they have brothers they hate, sisters they hate, you know, like it's all the same shit. You know, we've all had some kind of injury or illness, like, you know, we've all had, you know, cars break down, like it doesn't matter on a basic level, everything happens to everybody, but not everybody just talks about the things that make us, you know, that we have in common. So when you start talking about things you have in common, people relate to it. They go, oh, yeah, shit, my car broke down that time, too. Oh, holy shit. And then they start going, well, maybe I'm not so different than this guy. Which, you know, relatable. You want to talk relatable to The Rock. Yeah. You know, like he's been in trouble. He's this. He's half black. He's half Samoan. Like, you know, he's come from a poor family. He's an athlete. He got cut from a team. Like anything this guy has done, pretty much everybody out there has done at least one of those things. Yeah. So he's super relatable, and that's why people flock to him. I think that's what drew me to your channel, and that's what seems to drive most people to your channel, is there's a transparency in you. When you speak, it's like, this dude's telling the fucking truth. Mm-hmm. Whether or not, you know, the the viewer agrees with every point, right. it's... Which they don't always. Which they... And that's... Is if I'm not going to watch the channel. If someone's just parroting what I want to fucking hear or what I think, that's so boring. I want to, I want someone to challenge my own opinions, challenge my own paradigms. So listening to your channel... It's like, fuck, this This guy believes that you're coming from a point of experience, of education, and you also, I'm sure your views change as you've gone through. I mean, yeah, my yeah. views have changed over the course of, you know, 25 or so years working in fitness, and we were talking earlier at breakfast about how it seems the viewership has changed from the beginning until now. I mean, I look look around what's happening in the world right now. We're right. not going to get political, but it's fucking crazy what's happening. The, the social justice warriors running around out there. But I've seen it a lot in just traditional media and how the media is changing right now. Yeah. And on your channel, what you would say, because you, you put out great scientific content in gym exercise videos, stuff that people should really be watching, consuming to make them better. But the most, or some of the, the most, you know, <laughs> successful content you're putting out is, is what? Okay, the biggest video I have is about coconut oil. Okay. And I don't even know, I have no idea why I got so big. And I just put out there that, you know, it's coconut oil, it's, it's a fucking oil. It's not magic. It doesn't fucking, you know, it's not going to make your baby fucking Jesus. It doesn't do yeah. this stuff, what? right? You know, it's like, <laughs> shit, I've been rubbing it all over him all week. <laughs> exactly. Damn it, he's not going to walk on water, <laughs> shit. But like I just, it was a, just a regular video. I didn't think much of it, and it just it grew, you know. So when I first started doing the videos, I was doing the very like you know science, not science based, but training based and sure. diet based and stuff like that. Because I'm not a huge science guy. Like 
I understand, you know, it has a place, but at the same time, I mean, I've seen shit that science doesn't apply to, so yeah. it is what it is. But once you start shooting your mouth off, you know what I mean? That's when people really, they, I think they're just sick of the bullshit. They're yeah. sick of lies. They're sick of, you know, the people like on Instagram who could build up an image in a picture and Photoshop the fuck out of it and yeah. have someone type up a story for them that's so well written. Like, all oh, my shit on Instagram is misspelled. I have dyslexia. I misspell it. Awesome. Like, yeah, autocorrect fucks me all the time. Yeah. And I don't care. I just leave it. And people go, oh, you really should do this. I'm like, why? It's not me right there. It's not me writing it. Yeah. That came out of my head right then when I post the picture. Whatever I put on there came out of my head. The idea is you want to know about me, that's me. Yeah. And I think that, you know, translating to YouTube, you can't stick a camera in someone's face and have them be followed around all the time and not see the real them yeah. come out. You know, so it's like it doesn't really translate well. And I think over time, if you keep doing it, the real you comes out. Like if you go back and look at my first videos, I'm a little timid. I wasn't timid like that back home yelling at my parents back and forth. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or like with my friends who told me to start the YouTube, my buddy Lee was like, you should just start filming the shit that you're talking about. And I was like, ah, nobody's going to watch it. And he's like, no, you should just put it on YouTube. And I'm like, nah, it's fucking stupid. Yeah. And then when I did it, I wasn't really being me. And it wasn't until I made that video, I just lashed out. Like yeah. that's me. That's what I was saying to like my girlfriend 20 minutes before about this other guy online or whatever, and, and I made a video of it, and that's what people latched onto. And, uh, you know, I think it's great that, you know, through social media, you can take your YouTube channel and interact directly with people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything is going direct now. So it's like you can say, I want to get this message out about how I hate fucking um, the abuse of animals. And you can get that message out right now to all your viewers who, when they agree with it, they're going to share it and get it directly to more people. Yeah. You know, it's like a direct link to people. But if you're full of shit, that direct link gets cut like very quick. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how long have you been putting these YouTube videos out now? Shit. 2011, I started the channel. I used to embed videos in my blog, which nobody read the blog anyways. <laughs> or okay. watch the videos. And I was like, I'd go to like the Arnold and stuff and I'd get all the samples yep. and I would take it and I would review it. And I would talk about it. Okay, cool. And I was like, all right, that, this is cool. You know, and nobody give a shit. Huh. And then I got iMovie on my phone. Okay. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And I made like this little video and I learned how to drop pictures in it. And like the super low tech stuff for me was super high tech at the time put music to it and I put them up and they're called the gym life. I think it was called the gym life. And uh, I made like four or five episodes over the course of a few months. Like nobody watched them. And I'm sitting there going, I suck at this. Obviously nobody cares. And then I made that one video, shoot my mouth off about Ian McCarthy. Okay. And next thing you know, I went from like 300 hits overnight to like 10,000. Oh, wow. And then I was like, well, I need to make part two of that. Like that's all automatically my went Like I have more to say. Yeah. Let me do part two. And I did part two and it jumped again. And then what happened was what I didn't realize is everybody hated this guy and I didn't know who he was. So Physiques of Greatness, who's Chris Jones and then sure. the Hodge twins, they all hated him. So when their fans somehow picked up on it, they sent their other fans after the channel to watch it. They were sharing it. Okay. And they had huge followings. So now at this point, you know, they were saying T um Twin Muscle Army, TMA, yep. or POG, Physiques of Greatness Army. They were posting this stuff in my comment section. I'm like, what the fuck does this mean? That was them coming to look at it. So eventually, like, Hodge Twins saw it, uh, Chris Jones saw it, and these guys started to watch it. And as they were sharing it, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't really know about sharing the videos. I noticed it was getting more hits and more views on stuff I was saying, but wasn't paying attention. And then I went to the Olympia in 2013, and I kept getting stopped over and over and over. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I had no idea oh, wow. what the fuck was happening. And I walked up to um, the Isatori booth. They were selling BioGrow. Yep. And Mark Lobliner was there. And he's like, Jerry. And I was like, holy fuck. How, you know? And Chris Jones, oh, come here, be in my video. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I didn't realize they had seen the video and now they knew who I was. Sure. So they kind of put me in a little bit of their videos here and there. And then it kind of grew from there. And you know, once the topics I was picking were getting more and more controversial about, I didn't know, because at that point I was still on steroids in 2013. I stopped taking them in August of 2013. 
when I was done competing. Yep. So I was starting to talk about what I quote unquote used to do, which I knew now I wasn't taking anything. I didn't have anything. I couldn't get in trouble. Sure. And that was more controversial. So that took on a whole nother aspect that people really want to know about. They fucking love steroids. I mean, it's like... It's the big content yeah, right now. People that don't even take them or want to take them are super interested in it. Yep. You know, like I have a client of mine who's a female. She would never take anything. She's like, you don't understand. She's like, I dated two guys on the first date. They were talking about the first cycle they're going to go on. Two separate guys. Whoa. Just randomly. And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, it's so weird because it's so out in the open that they're like, what the fuck? And she's like, now I'm infatuated with it. What the fuck is up with these steroids? What is so great about it that normal people who just started lifting all of a sudden want to take them? Like, you know, it's not about just the bodybuilders anymore. So like those those type of things, like I made a video about Clint that actually wound up on um, a Canadian newscast. Oh, wow. Somebody linked it to me, and there I am. Because if you type in Clembuterol, the first video that pops up is my face. Oh, no. So I don't know how that <laughs> All happened. All right, I'm cool. Like, okay, whatever. Like, that's, I was meeting people at the expo, and they be like, how did you find my channel? They're like, oh, I typed steroids in Google, and your face popped up. And I was like, what the fuck? Cool. Like, okay, I whatever. Think. It is what it is. But, you know, I did a video on Trend, and a couple of them got taken down. But the Trend, the NFR, and the Clen video, I think, are still up. And is it, they got taken down, so YouTube flags it based yeah. upon either somebody reported it or maybe you said something that was I think it was controversial. They get reported. Um, they took the monetization off of those videos. Okay. So they can't be monetized, but they left them up. Gotcha. And then in 2013 or 14, I forgot what year it was. I think it was 2013. No, that was the year I was at the Olympia. I don't know, whichever one I got this tattoo on my hand at, which makes no sense. But anyways, <laughs> I had done a video in Mexico with my girlfriend at the time. And I went into all the pharmacies and I picked up the steroids and Lance Armstrong had just gotten popped. Okay. And I figured this is a good segue to talk about this stuff. And since I'm in Mexico, sure. I'm not doing anything illegal. This is perfect. Put the video up. It was getting tons of hits. I tried to log into my uh, account at the Olympia and I couldn't log in. And I'm oh. like, what's going on? So I look at my emails and they're like, your account has been disabled due to like this content. So I clicked on the thing and I looked at it and basically it said like, it was like, um, I, I forgot the, what they used, but it was like the... Um, content that could possibly cause injury to someone, whatever, however they worded it. And they gave me like a strike and shut it down for two weeks. So I couldn't upload Ooh. for two weeks. Okay. So now I was like, okay, what the fuck is going on? I don't understand, you know, why. And I couldn't figure out because I didn't do anything illegal, but technically, because I've seen other people put stuff like that on YouTube and they're fine. Yeah. When you monetize it on YouTube, that's when they really crack down on it. So if you don't monetize it, you can pretty much get away with it. But as the bigger the video gets, it gets more attention. And when someone flags it, they, they take it down. So I had kind of gotten flagged for that. So that kind of stopped all the steroid talk in general on the channel. Because I think I'd already had about 50,000 followers oh, wow. by that That's time. a big channel already. So I don't want to start off. Like yeah. start over again. So I kind of stopped doing the steroid stuff there. And um, I decided to open my own website, which is on BioS3Training.com. It's called The Underground. Okay. It's a membership site. So I took all those videos and I uploaded them all on there. I went back to Mexico, recorded the video again because I didn't keep the video. Gotcha. When they deleted it, it was gone. Okay. So I went back to the same pharmacy, did all the same videos, explained why I was doing it again. And, you know, I took a cycle down there. I, I filmed it while I was down there because they can't do shit about it. And oh, shit. It's on my own website. Nobody yep. can do anything about it. So I did, like, all the drug stuff on my own thing and then directed everybody towards that, which kind of, you know, kept it out in the open still, sure. but not on YouTube. Yep. So. And then, so, you, from your own steroid experience, you know, just briefly, so you were a competitive bodybuilder. Yeah. MPC level. 20 years. 20 years. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 20 year body. Wow. And when did you actually start with the steroids? Um, I was 20 years old on Thanksgiving Day. Never forget it. I think I've told the story on my channel. Okay. Um, so, my, my training partner, actually, I'll, I'll leave his name up. My training partner actually had gone on a cycle and gained about 12 pounds. I and mean, he looked really good. I was wow. like, fuck. And he was 19. And he looked phenomenal. So I was still like, oh, I'm going to be natural. I thought I could turn pro natural. That was my, my goal. 
I like BB Pro? Yeah, yeah. I was going to be Mr. Olympia naturally. Young man. Okay. Naive young man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to take milk and egg protein. But everybody was, was good, natural, man. right? I thought Dorian was. I had no fucking concept I until I started seeing some of the other guys at the gym. And we were at a gym that was based, that was all natural based guys. So we didn't see the freaks. Cool. And then we saw, you know, a few of the guys was like, fuck that's And then we met Jay Cutler. That was one of the things wow. I was like, okay. what the fuck? I was like, he's not even like the same species. Sure. And Jay was so cool and he talked to us and stuff. And like when I left there, I told my partner, I said, like, look, we got to either fucking take up checkers or we got to go on shit. Like, I mean, that's just, just how it is. Yep. And um, finally, like, he, his job was securing the needles and I got the drugs. Okay. So we had like a team effort going. Sure. And needles thanks, illegal back then. Yeah. So okay. you had to get them through like a dental hygienist that you knew or somebody just take a couple at a time. Yep. You couldn't just buy them. So we, um, like, we had ampules of, um, Omnidrin 250, which from Poland. Okay. And we had, so we had 10 of those and then two primatestin that okay. we would kind of spike in the middle of it. So the whole thing was going to be 250 milligrams straight through and then 500 milligrams in two weeks and then back down. Okay. So we get, we're in the bathroom. Now on Thanksgiving, he had the key to the gym because he worked at the gym. This so there's awesome. nobody in the gym. So we're training. We're like, we'll take it after we're done training. Okay, cool. So we go to the, the, the locker room and he snaps the ampule off, right? And he fills up his fucking needle. I hold the amp in my hand like this and I push it and cut my thumb on the top of the fucking amp. Fuck. And I mean cut it. Like it's blood going down my arm, on the sink, on the floor. It's in the vial. I'm like, fuck. And I look at him and he's filling up this, um, this syringe, which is a 25 gauge 5.8. So it was a small needle on it. And he turns around and jabs this thing in his ass because he had done it before. Okay. And I would never seen anything like that. I'm like, holy fuck. So I finally get all the... the Oil in the syringe with blood floating in it because I'm bleeding in it. And I go, to, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> it just looks like OJ went through there and gave us a fucking lash, right? And I go to jab myself in the ass, and I'm running in a circle, like chasing my tail because I can't do it. Okay. So I'm so freaked out. I said, "Listen, man. I said, fuck it. You can have my shit. I don't want to do this. This is not for me." So he takes the syringe and he goes, "Just pull your pants down." So I pull him down. He fucking. I said, "Just tell me when you're going to do it." And he's like, "I'm done." I was like, "That's it?" He goes, "Yeah." Right then, the owner of the fucking gym walks in, oh. walks right through the door, and he he works with the Natural Federation. Uh, and here we are shooting steroids at his fucking gym, right? He flips, and he was really helping us as a mentor and stuff. We yeah. He flips his fucking wig. He goes nuts. Clean up this shit. You guys are idiots. I mean, he goes through the whole gambit, and we're like, fuck. So he's worried about getting fired. I'm worried about getting kicked out of the gym or, you know, arrested. Yeah. So we get all cleaned up, and we fucking throw the shit away. I go back home, and I'm at Thanksgiving with my family. My aunts, my uncles, they're at my parents' house. And we're sitting at the table, and I'm eating, and I get up to go to the bathroom. I'm like flexing in the mirror because I think it's already working. For Two sure. hours later, I'm bigger, right? For sure. So they're talking about different stuff. In the middle of Thanksgiving dinner, I said, so I started taking steroids today, and the fucking table goes silent. Oh. And my mom looks at me, and she goes, I hope you know what you're doing. Like, oh, just wow. like that, right? And my dad goes, well, good. Those guys that beat you in the natural league, they're already on. So now you're going to be able to, like, he was very like. Oh, wow. He knew. You know, yeah. I mean, he wasn't worried about, I don't think he understood what they, you know, the dangers and stuff. He just sure. knew that the other guys were doing it. And that was probably the next step. And then my uncle says, well, you know what's going to happen? Same thing that happened to Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I like fucking paused. I was like, "What?" He was talking about Lyle Azedo, right? And he, oh, so I was like, like "I'm gonna be a movie star." I was gonna be a movie star. I'm like forty million a movie. Yeah, everybody's gonna know my name. Fuck it, let's go tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gonna do some more right now. And I kind of left it at that. And like, so my whole family knew I was on from the day I was on. Oh wow! And I don't think they knew what it entailed. They didn't know the injections. I think they just thought it was like a pill you take, or they might have even thought the weight gainer powders I was taking and stuff with steroids. Didn't For really sure. Know. And um, within ten weeks on that cycle, I gained sixty three pounds. Holy shit. And my training partner had gotten sick and he was out of the gym for a week. So in that week, I gained like 22 pounds, like in that first week or the second week that I was on it. And I was gaining like three or four pounds a day. Now, I wasn't all lean mass, yeah. but I was gaining weight so fast that people were like, what the fuck? Even the guy that sold to me was like, dude, I don't understand what the fuck. They were out of date like two years. Wow. They were expired. So he was like, what the fuck? He goes, I thought I'd be weaker. And 
I mean, I just I, I blew up. I went from 173 to 230, like I mean, in 10 so weeks. You were taking 250 milligrams. 250 milligrams of uh, it was Omnidrin 250. And what Poland. is Omnidrin? It's a sustanon from Poland. Okay. And it had the blue and um, blue and white boxes. Okay. And um, in the middle of it was two Prima Tessin depots, which is an end thing. So okay. at the most I was on was 500 milligrams for two weeks in the middle, and then two back down to 250, like you taper down. Okay. And yeah, when I was done, I mean, I was just I was like, what the fuck? I I didn't know what was supposed to happen. Because we didn't have the guys at our gym that were on, yep. and then Don, oh, yeah, we made that up, beep it out later. Yep. But he, um, you know, he just he had gained weight, but he stayed super lean. So I figured maybe because I gained more weight, that was, you know, why. But it wasn't like I gained that much fat compared to the muscle. So, yeah. I mean, to this day, I don't know why. Like, I mean, if I go back on, I'm 30 pounds in a month, like easily on 500 milligrams. You're like just, it doesn't uh, take it doesn't take much. A good responder, yeah. and that's I what mean, they talk about a lot. Yeah. Is some people respond differently to drugs. Which is when you talk about genetics, genetics and bodybuilding, sometimes it's not so much your muscle shape and bellies, yeah, yeah. that matters. It's how well do you respond to drugs? And you can talk about like a Boston Lloyd, a guy who takes, you know, shit tons, shit ton more drugs than all the IPB pros together and doesn't, can't get out of the NPC. You know, I yeah. think the kid looks, he looks great, you know, so I'm not bagging on the kid's physique at all, but it, it's insane what he does. And a lot of the people, ladies and gentlemen, that we're talking about right now, we're talking more about the YouTube fitness world. So if you're just a podcast listener, you don't pay attention to YouTube, some of the names and the concepts we talk about are more YouTube-centric talking yeah. about that audience and kind of trying to blend the two, especially based on, on Jerry's background. So you put on 63 pounds, yeah, you 63 said? Pounds. That's like Casey Vieter was, under the author Arthur Jones weird, experiment. Because that's, maybe that's like, I remember reading it and going like, my game same amount yeah and i was like maybe this guy just went on steroids that's what i thought i thought of everybody course. gained 63 yeah. pounds and uh, then it was like time to come off because that's what you did back then it wasn't like this stand all the time yeah okay so we came off for about four or five weeks and i started to shrink up like okay. as fast big as, as fast as i get big i get small too okay so like if i start training with weights and just eating i get bigger faster okay if i stop eating as much i just shrink okay you know even certain supplements if i start taking protein powders in like you know adding protein to my diet through powders or creatine i'll get bigger quick yep and i'll come right back down when i stop so it has to be maintained with me yep i'm not like one of those guys that takes one cycle and keeps 15 pounds of it when they gain 30 it's not it's not how i am so you pretty much go back to where you started yeah i mean like that's pretty much where i am now like i'm back down to like 195 right now okay. and i was 173 but i'm on trt now okay so if i came off the trt i'd probably back down to 173 like pretty quick and that's where i started taking steroids okay so um yeah i came off and we were off for about four weeks and it was like well this sucks is this enough like can we go back on and then one of my buddies was like oh you don't you know you just keep telling yourself it's only till my next cycle i just gotta ride it out like that mentality of staying off was there but you knew you were going back on because the idea was just to take one cycle. That's all we were going to do or I was going to do. And then we bought a bottle of Ganabol from Columbia. It was like this 30cc um, Equipoise. Okay. And at 50 milligrams. Okay. So to get enough of that, you're shooting like six oh, wow. cc's of the stuff a week, which we were doing one before. Okay. So now you're taking a lot more. And Equipoise doesn't work like testosterone, but we just thought steroids a steroid. Sure. And we weren't seeing anything from it. So now it was like, wait a minute, you know, we didn't understand, like, you know, we had Dan Duchesne's handbooks and stuff, but <laughs> yep. Dan Duchesne was like, take 30 things at a time. He didn't give a fuck. Yeah. So then eventually it was back to the sustenons, and someone told us about stacking with, like, DECA. Okay. So then it was like, okay, you know, one cc of, of sustenon, one cc of DECA, which I think was 100 milligrams back then. Okay. We didn't have the 200s and stuff back then. And we did that for a little while, and the weight goes right back up. Wow. And then I decided probably about three or four cycles after that. I can't remember everything I took. I have it written down in my notebooks and stuff, but... I decided, okay, you know what? The next step is growth hormone. I mean, wow. I mean, within the first year, I was already going on to growth hormone. Okay. And it was humatrope, which was like, back then it was like, I mean, that was the shit. I mean, yeah. that was, that's pretty much all that was around back then. There was no fakes, there was Chinese shit, none of like. So I went on that, and I noticed I got up to about 245, which now I'm up to about, you know, like 15 pounds heavier. Sure. Not any fatter. 
So I'm noticing there is a difference. And then I read an article, which is the dumbest fucking thing ever, by Dan Duchesne in Muscle Media 2000. Of course. How to use insulin. Yep. Okay. Could have killed myself. No idea. Went to the pharmacy, bought it. Legally. Legally. Yep. yep. You buy it over the counter, it's like 17 bucks. Now it's like 300 Oh, no I mean, shit. they've jacked the price on insulin so much, it's retarded. I went to the um, pharmacy, bought the insulin, went up to 273 with the insulin. Wow. So now it was the steroids, the growth hormone, the insulin. Now I'm thinking, I'm a failure. I didn't hit 300 pounds. Because <laughs> King Kamali was 300. Dorian yeah. was hitting 300. And how old? You're still a young kid. I was 21 years old. Fuck. Yeah, 21 okay. was when I was that, that size walking around. And yeah. I had like a 40-inch waist. I mean, I was, I was big. Yeah. And then I was like, I, and that seemed to be where my weight topped out. And no matter what I ate or what I did, okay. I'm like, maybe I have to stack something else on top of that. But I couldn't figure out. I'm like, I'm already taking all the stuff everybody told me to take. Do I take more? Like, what do I do? Yeah. And I tried taking a little more, and it didn't work. Like, I never got over it. Like, I went back down below 270 and stayed there. Okay. And at that point, it was like, well, now i got to compete. Like, I've already done enough with this shit. I need to test the waters and see what's up. So I died it down, and I wound up being like 213 or something like that. Wow. I mean, so I, yeah, I mean, pounds. I did just, I mean, I did random stupid shit, like jumped right into two hours of cardio a day, like on the yeah. first day, shit like that. And then my weight never went back up to 270 because I never pushed it like that again. Okay. I was like, you know, I'm not going to be fluctuating like that back and forth. But, you know, I would get up to like 245, 250. And, you know, dosage wise, I mean, I very rarely ever went over like a thousand milligrams of test okay. for, you know, the base. Deck would never be over like 600 milligrams around there. Yep. Um, trend, I, I didn't really like the trend. I never saw a whole lot with it. Oh, wow. You know, okay. for me, it was like Deca. Um, That's the test. famous one you hear everyone talking about yeah. now. Yeah, there's like these kids. Like, I, I, I don't want kids. Th- yeah, yeah, kids. Don't be wrong. I fucked with that. I experimented. They used sure. to make it out of Finaplex conversion oh, wow. kits and shit like that. Um, oh, Dan Duchesne. Oh, yeah. Fuck he, he was <laughs> That guy. You know? <laughs> He'd teach you how to make GHB in your kitchen, shit right? like that, yeah. And then um, he was like, he was the internet back before the internet. Yeah. He was putting out those pamphlets and manuals. I and have a few of them. I bought them off oh, of wow. Amazon. They're extremely expensive. I They're not collector's items, but I want them. So I, sure. I grabbed them. And um, yeah, I just remember thinking like, I can't push these drugs to that point because they're not doing any more. So what the fuck am I going to do? I don't understand. Like these guys are easily hitting 300. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, that was part of the genetic thing. Yeah. Like back then I only thought, you know, like Anadrol was hundred milligrams, never went over hundred. You know, and I knew guys that would, you know, not even take that much, and they would be 250, 260, like the same size. Sure. So it's kind of like trying to figure it out. And then in 2009 or 2008, I did the Maryland, and Kevin Lavroni was there. Okay. And he was friends with a friend of mine. So we get introduced, and then a week later, he came to the gym to see him, and I was squatting. Okay. And Kevin walked up to me, and I was like, oh, shit. And he goes, that was a deep. He's like, good job, man. That's how I used to squat. Okay. I'm Kevin. He didn't remember meeting me. Okay. I'm like, hey, and I know who you are. And then I was, was it a, after Kev retired or yeah, yeah, okay. he was like 180 pounds. Wow. And um, I was in a forum at that time. And since he had popped up, I told people, I was like, yeah, I met him. Look, here's the picture. They're like, ask him this, ask him that. And I was like, wait a minute, let me write down all these questions. I'll ask him. Then I'll come back and we'll answer them all on the forum. So yeah. we can get like almost like interview style on the forum. Okay. So he said, yeah. So we did that a few times. Then he goes, why are you going to this forum? Why don't we just start our own forum? And I was like, yes. yes. Okay. Me and Kevin Lavroni forum. Yeah. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> so <laughs> me, him, and our other business partner, Rick. Started a business called M3Muscle.com. Yeah, okay. And we had T-shirts, protein powders, and he was he hadn't done the Lavroni um, formula, which is his first one. Yeah. And he went back in the gym and he was starting to train again. And I watched him within two weeks gain like twenty pounds. Wow. And barely training, barely yeah. eating, and then thirty pounds over like you know the next two months. And I'm watching him not take anything, getting bigger. And I'm sitting there going, he's not even doing anything. I'm taking shit. He's blew right past me. Like I mean, like I wasn't even there. Yeah. And then he said, you know, I was getting ready for the Pittsburgh that year. And we were close at the time. We were really close. And my, me and my girl split. And I was in a bad place. 
And he said, why don't I just train you for this? He's like, I'll come to the gym. He's like, you need to stay focused because you're a fucking mess. Wow. So he'd, he'd call me in the morning and be like, you on the treadmill yet? I fuck. I get up. I do the cardio, eat, meet him at the gym, train. And this went on for about maybe seven or eight weeks until the Pittsburgh came. Then he drove to the Pittsburgh with me. And I remember showing him my cycle. And he looked at it and he's like, what the fuck is that? Like he didn't know what some of the stuff was. And wow. I'd be like, well, Trembolone, it's like parable. And he's like, parable? Why the fuck would you? He crossed it off. He's like, you don't need that. He's like, it's not that I've never taken it, but you don't need that. You don't need yeah. to cross clenbuterol off. He cross growth hormone off. He's like, don't take growth. That stuff's bullshit. Like cross that. He was crossing this shit off. And I'm sitting there going, he was like, what's this, this thousand milligram stuff? And I'm like, it's testosterone. He's like, well, how many cc's is that? I'm like, what do you mean? It's like five cc's. He's like, okay, take three cc's. He didn't even know milligram wise what there was. And that's when it dawned. I'm like, these guys take, well, him, yep. takes very little and doesn't even know what the fuck his genetics are. He doesn't know. Yeah. And I was like, it's not about the drugs. I can take everything out of the sun. I'm not going to do what this guy does. Yep. And it clicked. It all clicked right then and there in 2009. I'm like, I don't have the genetics. Like, I just don't have it. Like, even if I turn pro, I don't have it. Yeah. So when I did some more shows, that you know, 2009, I did one. Um, 2010, I did one. 11, so in 2011, I had a client that um, he was really heavy all the time. And he was always like, you don't understand. I'm like, yeah, I do. I've been heavy. I get it. You have to, you know, do these certain things. So I bulked up to 265 again, fat. So I could diet down with him to go through it with him. Like the fat to fit to fat yep. or fit to fat to fit before it even happened. And at the same time, my other client wanted to compete. So I'm like, well, I'll fucking do the show with you. I'll diet for you. And like, we'll do all this stuff together as, you know, all together. So we can all know what each other's going through. Yeah. Did that show. 2012, I started working with um, Phil Hernan. Sure. You know, he had this diet that was all fruit. Okay. I, I want to learn how to do that. So I worked with him for that. 2013 was like the last hurrah. Like I knew... Like, I don't have the genetics. I'm pushing boundaries that, like, it's just not going to happen. So I decided to run DNP. And, like, I was just like, wow. I'm going to go fucking nuts because this is it. This is okay. the swan song. And that was when I stopped competing in bodybuilding right then. So DNP, I mean, yeah. tell me about that. Because that's, that's scary <laughs> shit. You see it. I mean, enhanced athlete on yeah. YouTube, Dr. Tony Hughes, they talk about it all the time. Palumbo talks about it quite a bit, very negatively. Palumbo's, yeah. you know, scared of it, essentially, in a good way. Tony Huge, very pro. Give me your, what do you think yeah. about so, it? So Tony Huge actually came to me to do an interview about that stuff okay. when he was first getting involved in it. And, um, you know, these pros don't use it. I mean, I don't know why the fuck everybody thinks they take this. Everybody talks yeah, about no, it, yeah. No, no, the pros don't use that. The pros don't use fucking peptides either. Like, they don't even know what the fuck peptides are. They have no concept of what that shit is. They take, like, you know, their steroids, their pharmaceutical growth hormone, insulin if they need it. Yep. And if they need thyroid, that's it. They don't take fucking clean. They don't do none of that shit. Like, they just, they don't. They don't need it. So, um, yeah, I had a friend who was actually a PhD, and he's super logical. Like, I yeah. go to him to take emotion out of things, and he speaks logically. And he took it. Like, we were talking about it. He's like, yeah, I took that shit. I'm like, what? What do you mean? Whoa. It's like, it's fucking poison. He goes, nah, and he broke it down as to, like, you know, the components and where it comes from and all this bullshit. I said, all right. I said, if you're, you know, if you're taking it, then you obviously have done your research, and you've taken it, and you're alive. Fill me in on what your take is. So yeah. he told me. I told the coach. I said, this is what I'm going to do. And he said, fuck, okay, whatever. So, you know, everybody gets it from one place. And nobody knows that. Huh. Like, it's not Tony Huge. Like, everybody gets it from one fucking guy. Like, everybody who's ever used it. It's like it creatine. Gets, yeah, it's one fucking guy that gets it for everybody. Yep. And it is pure as fuck, and it is strong as fuck. Wow. And you have to be careful. It comes like 250 milligrams per capsule. Yep. And I think it was like 12 weeks out, I started 250. Okay. Now, not knowing what these other guys were doing, they were doing like a week at a time or whatever. I ran that through 12 weeks straight going up to 750 milligrams, three capsules a day. Holy shit. And I was shit. losing up to seven or eight pounds a day off my body. Excuse me, it was insane. And then I uh, went through the hot flashes where you thought you were going to fucking die. Like, 
it was the most bizarre, like sweating all the time, sweating through the sheets. Wow. The, your sweat actually like bleaches the sheets. Like if you have brown or fucking black sheets, it bleaches it. Your sweat bleaches it. So there's something that comes out of your body that bleaches the sheets. Wow. Which is insane. And um, about three weeks out, I started getting this weird rattling in my lungs because you expel this stuff through your lungs as you breathe. So it's okay. coming out through your lungs. And I noticed, I was like, I'm coughing. I had this pain in my chest, like this weird rattling. And I went back to my buddy and I told him, he's like, dude, you're expelling the shit through your lungs. Stop. You have to get off. I'm like, well, I got three weeks left to the show. I got to push it. So I had this like chemical type pneumonia bronchitis from the DNP Whoa. that I still didn't stop the DNP. I still kept going. Crazy bastard. So I'm like, I got to fucking, you know, I'm fine. I feel fine. I don't feel fine. But I have yeah. a show. You know, you're tired. You're sick. You, know, you just go. And I got through it. It took me about three or four weeks afterwards till I started feeling better. And, you know, I was like using an inhaler that trying to, to breathe right and stuff. And I didn't know, like, nobody had ever talked about that side effect because nobody ever ran it like that. Yeah. You know, with me, if you give me tests, I'm going to take it for 12 weeks. If you give me clan, I'm going to take it 12 weeks. A lot of people, one off, two off, like yeah. this week on, I was like, fuck it, I just take everything straight through. It's how I always did things. And as you're taking it, your body adapts to it and you need more and more and more. So it's like this stuff, if you go from 250 to, to 500, you know, you may not get that, that point where you die, but there is a lethal dose. Yeah. Where it is, nobody knows. So it's like you start out slow and kind of build it up. And it depends on the individual also, yeah. right? Yeah, I know guys that, you know, 500 is about their limit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I was doing 750, which it was this crystalline fucking DNP. This stuff was like, you know, you, I can't even explain to you, like, how bad this stuff probably is to take. Yeah. You know? But at that time, I was like... So we do not endorse or no, suggest I mean, anybody ever take no. that. I mean, even these guys, when they interviewed me now, like, Boston Light actually contacted me yeah. and asked me about it before he even took it. Like, yeah. he was asking my opinion on how to eat with it and stuff like that to best maximize it. Like, none of these guys were really doing it. And I was just like, fuck it. Like, you know, I, there was a forum that I was a part of, and they talked about it. Wow. And only a couple of the guys had tried it. And I knew another guy that had tried and kind of fucked himself up a little bit. With, like, he sweat through his couch. Like, he'd oh. taken so much and woke up and was like, that's enough for me to not take it anymore. Yeah. You know? So, um, you know, I was like, I did insulin. I did PGF-2, which was Lutalase. What is that? So this shit, it's a, it's a cattle drug that aborts cattle. I mean, it's All right. you know, I did that stuff back in the day. What's was, the desired effect of that? It was supposed to site enhancement, like wherever you okay. put it, like grow new muscle, but also made you lean. Gotcha. And it was like, quote unquote, one of the secrets of the pros. No, they sure. don't fucking shoot abortion drugs. Yeah. So I got some from Mexico. I had a connection to Mexico. It was like 30 bucks a bottle. I got a few bottles. Me and all my buddies were fucking around with it. And, um... I remember that one of them took this massive dose of it, and it, like, contracts smooth muscle tissue. Okay. So after you take it, like, a half hour later, you have to shit. Like, it just pushes everything out of you. Wow. And you, like, drool and shit. Like, it's just bizarre. And my buddy took this dose of it, and Dave Plumbo was like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, I don't know what's going to happen to your friend. He goes, because that is more than I've ever fucking heard anybody taking. Like, people don't even fuck with this shit. And he's supposed to take, like, a quarter of a cc, and he took a cc and a half. Like, what the fuck? And he was, like, standing over a sink, like, drooling and shit, like... It was insane. Like, I look back and I'm like, some of the shit that we took and did, I was just like, all in the name of bodybuilding because I wanted to be a pro bodybuilder. <laughs> and, and that's a crazy thing that you're driven so far yeah. to take such large risks, but the reward in bodybuilding is near zero. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. nothing. Even if you make it to become a pro bodybuilder, most pro bodybuilders can't support a single life, let alone a family life, as a pro bodybuilder. Yeah. Anyone who's outside excuse me, outside of maybe the top six in the Mr. Olympia, they got to work yeah. side hustles just to pay the bills. Yep. And it's interesting. I want to go back to the drugs in a few, but it's interesting the drive to bodybuild or to powerlift or even in MMA to do these things that are, are inherently dangerous to take such, I mean, MMA, my background, you take your, the whole point of MMA is to render your opponent unconscious yep. through 
combat. That's fucking not good, right? <laughs> NFL, what they say, 97, 99% yeah, of all football players yep. have traumatic brain injury. And what the fuck? And parents are pushing their kids onto the football field as, you know, four, six, eight, ten year old kids into the high school, college realm. Bodybuilding is, is a little bit different. And, you know, back, I, I came up in the, in, the, in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s through like the golden era, a true golden era of, of bodybuilding. I was very much, um, uh, impressed with the world of bodybuilding, but I never saw myself as a body. I didn't have the genetics to be a good bodybuilder. I wasn't aesthetic and I was a wrestler. I always was training for wrestling for eight years of my life and there was no time for it. It was like, I got to get stronger. I got to get faster. I got to get more mobile flexible. And that might've been a good thing, but I always trained with the local bodybuilders, guys like Rich Kaspari and Johnny Morant, Matt Duvall, uh, who, who's now deceased and Jason Arntz and just these other dudes, if you remember their name, but Massive list of, of all the local top power lifters because it was there was only so many super big, super strong dudes in any given area. So you'd all travel 20, 30 minutes or so because squat day is going to be here at the powerlifting gym and bench day is going to be at the shirt and shirt you wear on squat day and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, <laughs> fucking, you got the shirt, you got the pants, you got the shoe, the socks. I mean, this is back in the wigwam days, right? You know, I never had the, the, the atomic shoes, but I, you know, I always had my thing. Um, but everyone who was doing it wasn't doing it for money, right. And there was, it's no money in that. And there's not really any fame in that. And you're pretty much ostracized by most of the population because of the, I mean, you at 270 fucking yeah, pounds, I look stupid. you don't fit in anywhere. And what I always said, cause I, I was a bouncer at the time and it, you know, it was like 10, 90% of the women in here think I look fucking disgusting, <laughs> which is true. But the yeah. 10% who don't. <laughs> they fucking dig it <laughs> You know what I mean So I was like One out of ten chicks They're gonna really dig The way I'm looking here You know So that, that is what it is So now to get back to Like Of all the friends Because you know Some of the top bodybuilders I mean you know All the top bodybuilders You know all the top You know fitness YouTubers So you, you're very much Juiced into the, the, the industry What's the drive Well I mean Most of them You can tell the difference Between the people That are successful That love it that literally love it, yeah. and they want to be the best at something, and that drives them to be the best. Like, yeah. Dorian didn't want to be big. Jay didn't want to be big. They yeah. wanted to be the best, and that's what it took to get big. If you told both of them they had to be 130 pounds, they would have starved themselves to 130. They don't care. Sure. But what you see, like, the guys that you're talking about that are ostracized and stuff, it's insecurities. You know, even the parents that are pushing the kids to do football, insecurities. They want those kids to be something great because they want to say, this is my kid. It's really about them and not the kid. Yeah. You know, and it's on their way to a better life. So a lot of these guys that... Um, you know, especially football and stuff like that. Like we have um, a team called uh, he um, Healthy Baller out on the East Coast. Okay. And they train a lot of the NBA uh, guys and a lot of the people going to the NBA, yep. um, Georgetown University, all that. That's all they were at. And there's a lot of these kids that are training to go to preparatory schools and college and play at Maryland University in hopes of going to the NBA. Now, there's a point where you can see them training that they're not pushing as if they would on the blacktop playing against their friends. Yeah. You can see it. It's turning from something that they love to, wait, I love this, and I can make a lot of money at it. Oh, yeah, you should do that. And the parents are sitting there watching the kids train yep. over their shoulder to make sure that they're doing a good job because they're spending money on them because it's an investment in the kid. So when the kid makes millions, the parents will be taken care of, yep. and the kids will be somebody, and this is my kid, and look what we have. And you kind of look at it, and you're like, they're doing this for a better life, but that's not the motivation why they did it to begin with. You know what I mean? Like, mine, insecurity, 100% insecurity. Like, I picked up a weight 
Uh, it was actually it was a punishment from getting suspended from school. My cousin made me train all day. Awesome. And I was like, this is awesome. My arms blew up. I was like, yeah. put the dumbbells under my bed. I was doing curls before school. It was great. Yep. But like to get bigger, what I realized was getting bigger and stronger. I was a victim of sexual abuse when I was a kid. Oh, wow. I've talked about that in my um my my YouTube channel. Yeah. And the way it went down was like I felt like well, I need to protect myself. And one of the ways you protect yourself, like those spiders out in the wild that are certain colors, you yeah. know, or a gorilla, they beef themselves up. Yeah. That was the idea. Get as big as I can so that people don't want to confront me. So you're building up like this suit of armor that people see first yeah. and they just don't want to fuck with you. So that becomes kind of like just kind of skewed a little bit over time. And now you're reading the muscle magazines. Yeah. And 200 pounds, which people are scared off already, people probably think we're big. We walk around and go, wow, you're a big dude. I'm like, dude, yeah. 195 pounds. <laughs> like you should have seen me like, you know, 10 years ago. Like, yeah. They still think you're big, but reading the muscle magazines, you see Branch Warren, you see Jay Cutler. Now 200 pounds is small to you. Yeah. So you have this kind of dysmorphia thing going. So it's like you're chasing something that really it's to make you feel better, and it's not really about the sport anymore. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you see a lot of the guys that compete now in bodybuilding, and girls too, they get their asses handed to them at a show, and they're devastated, like life is over. Yeah. You know, I'm disappointed. You know, I went to Team U, I got last place. I mean, last place. Yeah. I was upset because, I, you know, I put a lot into it, and I wanted to do better, but... 20 minutes later, my wife and I were out eating, enjoying life, and it was moving on. Awesome. You know what I mean? It wasn't a big deal, but at 22, I would have been completely devastated because I was doing it for a different reason. Yeah. It wasn't doing it because I want to push myself and I want to do what I can do. It was like, I want to beat everybody to prove I'm better than them so people will look at me like I'm better. So it was all insecurity. And like, if you have that in the back of your mind, that will drive you to lose relationships, money. I mean, it'll drive you to do the most fucking ridiculous things because you have this... I'm not good enough and I'll do whatever it takes to be good enough. And it probably stems from childhood. Like everything stems from when you're a kid, something happens and it sets you in a direction and as you're an adult. Sure. But yeah, I mean, these guys, they'll do it for no money because they quote unquote love it. But really when you break it down to it, it's like, do you really love it? Or, I mean, cause you can love doing something, still do it, work a job too. Yeah. And be married too. You know, you can do all that stuff. So what is it that you're isolating yourself? Because people look at you and say, Hey, why don't you do this too? And you're like, no, 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 I have to do this. Cause it's all about you and, you know, what's making you feel better. Yeah. So they pretty much ruin their lives. You know, Anthony DeRezzo, I talked about on him with the Dave Palumbo yep. interview, like 43-year-old guy or 46, was over 300 pounds most of the time, couldn't turn pro, was so obsessed with turning pro that he wound up having a fucking heart attack and dying at the show. Fuck. You know, like he had had heart, prob heart problems before. He had had um, a hip replacement or was it a shoulder replacement. Something he had, I mean, he had had issues yeah. where he could have walked away and that would have been it. But in his head... I have to turn pro or I'm nothing. And yeah. he killed himself, you know? So, I mean, you look at that driving force and, you know, I think there comes a point where you love doing something. If it's not good for you anymore, you kind of reassess and go, maybe I'll do it on a lesser scale or maybe I won't do it anymore at all. But, you know, until you get past that insecurity, I think these guys are just going to keep doing what they do, trying to stay big, trying to push themselves. You know, these kids are going to be taking headshots in football, a peewee class, yeah. or a peewee, you know, football. I mean, Tom Brady, the, his wife came out and said that he's had, like, something like 12 concussions, like, at least one a year. And he has problems. Now, as a Patriots fan, I'm like, shut up, let him play. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, divorce her, right? Yeah. Like, send her the papers. He's done. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, fuck, this guy has been banging his head around. You know, now that new thing came out from the NFL saying, like, that 96% or whatever, like, yeah. you know, Junior Sale was one of my favorite players, too. He, yeah. mean, he killed himself, and they biopsied his brain and found that he had that massive brain damage and stuff. So, yeah. you know, it. I think it drives them to a certain point, but you reach a certain level where that's it, but you can't walk away. 
Yeah. They continue and push and push and push until they hurt themselves. And you you grow, brought up a great point. It's it's the insecurity. Essentially, you've heard the, the, the phrase, little boys in gorilla suits. Mm-hmm. That's what these bodybuilders and strength athletes and mixed martial arts and, you know, tattooed up or just whatever. We build this facade around us to protect us yeah. from something. Like, I'm going to turn myself into something different, something that like... Scary. Something that scares people off. That's it. And yeah. who used the... Oh, fuck. I, maybe I'm quoting um, Rogan or I forget who it is now that... Dave Navarro had said, no, it's not Rogan. Uh, but anyway, Dave Navarro had said, man, I got all these fucking tattoos to keep people away from me. Mm-hmm. He said, now it's an invitation for people to come up and talk to me. Yeah. It's the same thing. You kind of change yourself, make yourself look different yeah. to push people away as a self-protective mechanism. Me too. I mean, that's the why you lifted weights and got big and tried to be this, you know, fucking tough, you know, combat athlete. I'm actually kind of a really nice <laughs> guy. You know what I mean? But, you know, losing my father at a very young age and growing up the way I did. And, you know, it's I just wanted to separate myself and have something to define myself by. Oh, look how strong he look yeah. how big he look how good he is at, at that one thing. Don't look at all the other fucking things he sucks at or he feels yeah. like he sucks at. And that was kind of the chase. So. I look at, and I'm, I'm friends with some of the bodybuilders too. I don't want to say names and, and, and kind of put them on blast, but as I'm talking to them and I hear about their life and what they're doing, and I just think like, my God, like, is it worth it? It doesn't... Some of them have done it so long they don't know anything different. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like, again, like you just made a good point, like you're good at something. Well, there something. comes a point that you're good, but you want to be great and you're not great. Yeah. And rather than giving up, you figure if I work harder or do more, I'll become great. Yeah. It's just not how it works. So they don't give up. You know, you're good at it, but not great at it. So you give up all the things that you weren't as good at. Yeah. And you push towards that one thing, but it just never happens. And your point about when you were, you know, dealing with Leveroni and you realize like, fuck. Like this- it was eye-opening. It was like fucking shocking. So true story, the second day yeah. that we trained together, we went to uh, this um, Chinese food place across the street from the gym. So we had some kind of chicken, whatever the fuck it was. And um, we both got sick. We huh. both got food poisoning. I was fucking puking, and I didn't know he did. He you don't know what kind of chicken it was. It was cat. <laughs> That's a different cat or like dog chicken. Cat and rat. You know? Exactly. It was the cat rat special. <laughs> and then, uh, like, I hadn't talked to him in a couple of days. I just wasn't going to the gym. I was all fucked up. And then he calls me. He goes, are you all right? I said, yeah, I've been sick, and I'm sorry I haven't called. He goes, no, me too. I haven't been in the gym either. Oh, shit. I said, have you been throwing up? He goes, yeah. I said, because he, he always fucks with me. Like he'll, yeah. he, like, he'll call you. Be like, hey, man, I fell and I broke my leg. I can't come to the gym. Like, Are you okay? He's like, yeah, fine. I didn't break my leg. He would just fuck around. <laughs> you, you wise so ass. now I'm like, wait a minute. You see? He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, my wife had to pull over. I had to throw up. He goes, I've just been sick. And I was like, wait a minute. He goes, yeah. He goes, ever since I ate that chicken, I was like, fuck. I said, that's what I threw up. I said, it was the chicken. So we go to the gym. It was a couple days later. Now, mind you, like, we had been trying to eat and hydrate and stuff. Yeah. So I'm down like 11 pounds. He's up 12. Motherfucker. I'm like, how the fuck? I'm like, I don't, and I, I'm sitting there going, he's like, oh, I had a banana this morning. I'm like, it, it didn't make any sense. And we actually filmed that. I wish I had the footage and maybe my old uh, business partner might have it. So we went to the gym and he weighed in on the scale before we did the workout. Yeah. And he had like a little bottle of water with him. It couldn't have been more than two ounces that he drank. During the workout, he gained three and a half pounds during the workout. Now, to this day, we're still curious as to what, like, even if he sweated on his clothes, the water was already in his body anyway. So yeah. it's not going to change the weight. He didn't drink three pounds of water. It was the same clothes. It was like a half hour after we started the workout. How the fuck did he gain? Like air? Does air, is there water in the air? That I don't, it still doesn't make any sense, but we had it on video. Yeah. And me and Rick used to talk about it. We're like, how the fuck did he do that? And we would ask him, he'd be like, I don't know. Like he doesn't know. Like he just doesn't, he thinks it's normal. Everybody does it. 
Like it's not a big deal. And that's one of the things that defines Kevin Laroni is he's been known to be this amazing response. I mean, he's he's legendary in the world of legends. All the top bodybuilders are like, fuck, yeah. but Laroni is just on another level. Like you said, he'd take eight months off from training and taking drugs. And he'd start his prep four months before competition. Yeah. He'd walk in and he'd place in the top three, top six yeah. of the best in the world. He was third at the Olympia that year. Who never go off. So there's just some sort of genetic anomaly with a guy like that. And that's what separates the truly the best. I mean, his kid's the same way, Gabriel. Holy okay. shit, dude. I mean, he looks looks like Kevin, but it was, um because again, he fucks with me. He goes, hey, what do you think about this guy? I'm signing him for my label. Yeah. And he sends me the picture of just like the, the neck down. Yeah. And I said, wow. I said, dude's like a physique guy. He's fucking ripped. And he yeah. sends me the full picture. It's his fucking 10-year-old son. 10-year-old son. I was like, he's, I don't understand. He goes, yeah, he's been doing a little bit of push-ups. I'm like, dude, that's not normal. <laughs> like you don't understand. It's like, not normal. And he laughs. I'm like, you're not fucking normal, bro. And he just thinks that like he's like that. His kids like that. Like everybody's like that. Yep. And I'm like, that's not. And then he filmed this kid running, like he plays football in high school. And when he was like five or six, he goes, okay, you know, let's run, Gabe. And the kid took off. He looked like the fucking road runner. Like yep. when he took off, and he went down the field so fast and disappeared. And you saw him like, mm, and then flying up. And I'm like, holy shit, the kid went full speed around the whole, like around that perimeter of the whole field. Wow. And like in the time it was, it was like people run 40s in less than that. Huh. I mean, more than that. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, it didn't make any sense because genetically they just, they have something. Did you see that video of him running and chasing? And, uh, I didn't see he it. He sprinted against the Olympic sprinter, Kevin? No. Yeah, it was insane. So he was like 270 or some shit <laughs> in his like hot skins pants and stuff. Of course. And he gets up there and they fucking take off and like halfway through, Kevin's still keeping up with this Olympic sprinter. And then the guy just went, poof, and like took off. Gotcha. But for him to get like, you know, whatever feat that he did. Sure. It was like, you know, most guys within a couple steps would be behind this guy already. He didn't. He was keeping up with him. So a guy like Kevin, if he started off playing football, he probably yeah. would have been an NFL dude. He's one of those type of individuals. Yeah. And we all know a few of those people probably have come across them in our life. They're just these genetic outliers. No matter what they do, right. they're fucking awesome at. And they don't put too much time into it. And that's usually where a lot fail. They're genetically gifted, so they don't have to work as hard as maybe yeah. you or I. More of that blue-collar mentality where we got to wake up early, we got to pay our fucking dues every day. Not that they don't work, but they don't work to that same level. Yeah. They can take the genetics for granted. Or they get twice the amount of return for the same investment that we put in. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. So jump back to just to the, to the drugs briefly. The difference in, as I'm always, I enjoy the conversation of how bodybuilders actually cut weight for competition. Mm -hmm. And the difference, because a lot of MMA athletes, they, they cut weight like bodybuilders, essentially, because they know they got a gym, they train to the strength gym, and they're dealing with, you know, coaches that are more comfortable with the bodybuilding mentality of cutting weight. There's a different performance parameter yeah. where the bodybuilders, and, and let's take, say that they're all doing drugs. So I don't, I don't care. Drugs are not, are not drugs. That's, that's not part of it. The, the performance the next day, these athletes, MMA, they have to go and fight for 15 to 25 minutes. Bodybuilders have a different type of performance, but they can kind of go and stand on yeah, stage. super weak that day. Super yeah. weak. We can't be. Or yeah. They have to be at their best. So how did the bodybuilders actually bring their weight down over, what, 12, 16 weeks? And then how did they peak at the end? Yeah, usually, like, you know, some of the guys would start out, like Jay, I think, would start out 18 to 16, 16 to 18 weeks out. I would, like, usually do 12. Like, after three months, I feel like there's... It's just too much. Some of the guys okay. take like 22 weeks. Wow. They come down really slow. Um, it's A lot of it's diet manipulation and cardio. Yep. Um, of course, the drugs come into play. Like if you're on DNP, you'll probably cut in four weeks. Jesus. As opposed to like, you know, 12. But um, yeah, it, it, carbohydrates. If you live. Yeah, I mean, you don't <laughs> put your stuff in the fucking ground. But, yeah. You know, you got to fertilize your yard with the shit that you're fucking <laughs> ingesting. But right. um, yeah, usually like the carb cycling, keto, cardio. 
and it ranges from steady state, AM fasted, yep. post-workout, you know, HIIT. I mean, it's, it's so different. But, you know, everybody pretty much does the same thing. They train as hard as they can, try to keep their strength up as long as they can. Cardio will change, dictating, you know, how much fat they need to lose. Yep. And then carbohydrates are probably cycle or cut or, you know, some people like to cut them down to zero. Some people like to carb cycle. It just, it just depends. So it's really – so our focus here, we want to keep the athlete as fed as possible, as, as long as possible, probably similar in bodybuilding, I'm assuming, because you want to retain as much muscle mass yeah. as possible. So I know a lot of the bodybuilders talk about, you know, they want to increase their cardio before they actually start to cut their calories. Yeah, usually with me, I like to do the calorie cutting first. Okay. And the, I, a lot of people talk about calories. I don't, I'm not really a big calorie guy. I'm a macro guy. Yeah. Because I don't want to cut my protein. If I'm cutting calories, that means I'm cutting calories. Like I want to cut usually carbs. Um, fat, I don't need a whole lot of fat to begin with. You know, I get some essential fatty acids from a supplement to make sure I'm covered. Sure. And then fat in the foods, but I don't seek out like peanut butter and stuff like that, which a lot of people do. I just don't like it. So okay. it's not for me. But like carbohydrate wise, what I'll do is, you know, I don't drop into keto. Like I do like doing keto diets. I feel like they work really well, but going from like 400 grams of carbs to keto is a bad idea. Like your body can't make the shift. Yeah. It's too hard. And most people fail within the third day of that. They're just going to go off the diet. They're hungry. They're, yeah. you know, the brain gets a signal that it's starving. It's just a mess. So let's say I'm eating 400, 500 grams. I'll go like 450 for like a week. I'll go down to 425 for a week. I'll start slowly lowering them down. This is before I start the full 12 week cut. Sure. And then when I get to a certain point, like maybe 10 weeks out, I'll start carb cycling. Yep. So they may be high, medium, low, high, low, low, medium, 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 high, like depending on where I'm at in the, the cycle. And that'll change week to week too. And then about four weeks out, I'll drop into keto. Okay. So I'll start lowering the carbs a little bit until I get to that keto spot. When I drop into keto, that's when like I see the drastic transformation when I get into keto. Gotcha. But like that shift from going carb cycling to keto is way different than just trying to drop into keto. Yeah. So the idea is to try to slowly ease your way into keto, and then that's when like the quote unquote magic happens. And then usually after the um the show, like a lot of guys, they blow the fuck up. And I've done yeah. it before too. Like a friend of mine gained 30 pounds in a night. Oh, God. He wound up in the hospital. His sternum cracked because he'd swelled so much. And like wow. he got to the gym on like Tuesday. We hadn't seen him. He looked like a Cabbage Patch kid. His head was round. Like you didn't even recognize him when he walked in because he had so much edema from the shit that he was eating. Yep. And um, he had taken diuretics. So once they wore off too, it was just like they, he blew up. So now it's like when I get up in the morning of the next day, I kind of want a shake. Okay. I want a protein shake. I'm not like huge eater and then I have my meals made for me by nutrition solutions yep. so there's already portioned out so what I do is go back from like maybe zero carbs per meal to like 25 carbs per meal and eat as I'm hungry yep. and it, it slowly brings it back up like that and I probably don't eat much more than because I don't track macros anymore if I eat 250 grams of carbs a day I'd be surprised okay yeah I don't eat much at all and you're relatively lean now yeah that's a big thing staying lean year round like which I didn't used to listen to everybody before saying yeah. stay lean I would blow up and then lose the weight and now if I could stay within five pounds of a contest weight, that's where I want to stay at. Okay. But that's more so like where I go to an expo or something, you know, I want to be able to wear a tank top and yep. not say I have to diet for four weeks or like, you know, we had um, some videos and stuff to shoot for Primeval. Yeah. And it was like, hey, can you shoot these videos next week? Yes, I can. Awesome. You know, those opportunities are there. Whereas, um, you know, a friend of mine, Richard Siegelman, he was going to do a, um, a commercial for CarMax. And when they called him, they were like, we need this, this kind of shape. And he's like, fuck, I need like four weeks. They're like, it's this weekend. Yeah. So he called me and said, are you in shape? Do you want to do this? I said, yeah. So because yeah. I was in shape, I got the CarMax commercial. So I kind of learned that if you stay in shape, you, these opportunities pop up where other people will fail because they're not, it's not strict enough, but they just don't really live the lifestyle. Yeah. They'll get fat and then have to diet down for something. 
these opportunities come up, you'll be able to grab them. And the more opportunities you have, the more your name gets out there, the more things you do. Yep. And then you actually get more respect staying in shape Hell yeah. than blowing up and shrinking down anyways. You know what I mean? It's, it's one thing to diet for a show. Anyone can diet for 12 weeks yep. and compete. Anyone. Try to maintain that for four years. I mean, that really is... A challenge, and it breaks down to like you know when you were powerlifting, the next yeah. challenge is the next weight. Absolutely, where you're getting bigger. That's the next you know pound on the scale. Well, the next challenge for me is I don't want to get fat next month. Yep. You know I'm traveling in Vegas now. I don't want to be fat by the time I go back to Virginia. Yep. Like the idea is to go back a couple pounds lighter. Yep. So it's like you kind of shift your challenge into something that's you know almost the opposite of what you were for instead of gaining, you're maintaining. Gotcha. And for bodybuilding, how do the drugs change as you peak for, you know, maybe from personal experience yeah. or what you know that the athletes are, are doing kind of at the top level? You just, there's so much bullshit out there. And that's kind of one of the, the shitty things. You got guys like Boston Lloyd who's talking about taking 13 grams of <laughs> steroids a week, which you got IFBB Pro saying that they don't do that during no. the entire contest prep. No, no, absolutely not. So I think that a lot of people, um, especially because I've worked with people that their coaches had given them cycles and stuff. And what I do is okay. I say, they say, can you work with me with the cycles? And I say, I can't dispense medical advice. It's illegal. Sure. However, I can tell you what the guys in Europe are doing right now. Okay. In your case, what they're like, somebody your size in Europe right now, they're doing this. Gotcha. Which is not illegal, talking about information. So they'll show me what, um, you know, their coaches have given them. And it's this complicated fucking X's and O's, like a football fucking play run. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, take this at 12 p.m. on this day and then not till 2 p.m. on this day. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, they make it super complicated. And I think they do to get people's money. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Absolutely. I think they're complicating it to rip people off. And, um, you know, some of the best bodies I've ever known would take something 12 weeks straight through, two or three compounds. And at the end, like, let's say they're taking DECA that makes them bloat and they know it. Yeah. They cut it out. Gotcha. You know what I mean? And maybe like when they cut that out, they add like a windstraw or something just to maintain what they were taking milligram wise. But it's not like they're switching drugs and switching to DHT drugs. Like Milo Sarshev was one of the, I mean, he's the guy that basically trained everybody on how to do this shit. Sure. And I have a handwritten thing that he wrote for someone. And like this guy was dating a friend of mine. And when they broke up, she's like, oh, you left this thing at my house. Do you want it? I was like, yes. So I went over and got it. And it's a whole packet. It has handwritten how to use insulin, the drugs, the growth hormone, clenbuterol, how to get off, like has everything down to what meals you should eat when you take the insulin. And it's so fucking basic wow. that, you know, nobody would believe it, but that's what it is. Like they don't take shitloads of drugs. They don't rotate shit in and out. Like a lot of them use clenbuterol in the off season when they're off drugs rather mm-hmm. than taking it because it helps to maintain because it has an anabolic response. Gotcha. So they use stuff like HCG and clenbuterol in the off season for... 10 weeks or something like that. Maintain muscle, maintain stay relatively mass, lean. Yeah. Okay. Or now they use stuff like SARMs in between. But yeah, I mean, none of them are doing this fucking crazy rotating shit in and out. And, you know, a lot of the stuff out there, you can't even find anymore. There are pros right now that are calling me like, hey, can you get Winstrol? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like back in the day, they used to produce it for vets. Okay. It's not like that anymore. And a lot of shit on the black market, I don't know what it is, but it's not working. Wow. So now they're like, fuck, we can't get these pharmaceuticals. So it's like, if the pros can't even get these drugs, how is fucking Jimmy John at the gym getting, you know, 20 bottles of Winstrol and he's taking 800 milligrams of Anavar, yeah. not gaining a pound? You know, Anavar, 100 mil, or, uh, 20 milligram Anavar, 100 capsules is about $800 from a pharmacy. Holy These guys sh- are paying 50 bucks yeah. on the street. I'm like, it's just, there's no way. Yeah. So I don't think that they really are switching these drugs up and stuff. Like, you know, like they tell them they should. They're just trying to, yeah. You need me to you, learn how to do your cycle. And what are these gurus getting paid for this? I've Shit. So I priced my shit. I went out there and priced compared to what they were doing. I thought they were just fucking ripping people off. So yeah. they would charge some $1,000 a month. 
Okay. For advice, which I was like, I mean, I guess if your name is big enough and you know yeah. you got a PhD, you know, no pun intended. I'm not talking about anybody <laughs> yeah. in particular, but you know, then you can charge stuff like that. But you know, um, I've seen there were contest preps for fifteen grand. Wow. You know, twelve weeks, fifteen grand. Um, I know George Farrow would charge five grand before, yep. and I know people that worked with him, and he would tell you straight out though. Here's the thing: he'd be like, "Look, I train the Rock, and I train you." If The Rock calls me at 2 a.m., I'm going to get up and pick up the phone and fucking Skype him. Yeah. If you call me at 2 a.m., I'm fucking staying in bed because he pays me 100 grand a year wow. and you pay me 5 grand for 12 weeks. So, yes, you're going to get my attention, but not as much as this other one. So, I think that some of them depend on, you know, how much attention you get. Like, some people give out, like, cell phone numbers and Skypes and stuff like that. Like, you got to know your value and what you're worth. Sure. So, you can't, like, undercut yourself, but also can't just give it away, you know, and charge, like, fucking a million dollars at the same time. So, yeah. You know, I mean, fair price is anywhere from, I'd say, per month, a couple hundred bucks a month, I think would be a fair price for, you know, somebody to train you online or something like that. Over the top, I'd say anything over $1,000 a month, I think, is is over the top. And that's more for probably the top-end guys, the IFBB pros, yeah. um, guys like, well, you see, see there's who, guys like George Farrer, guys Farrah, like Chris Aceto, Honey Rambod, Honey Rambod, Dennis James, those are, like, the top. But now you even get guys talking about how, like, if you put... Kai Green on a diet, fuck you, and I can get him in shape. Anybody can get him. Of course. So, you know, how good are these guys really? And that's the thing. Yeah. You know, you look at, because even, you know, guys like Conor McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> Conor McGregor can go to In-N-Out Burger every day <laughs> and whip the fuck out of 99% of the fighters out there. You know, so it, it's... Yeah. It's, part, it's They take the genetic cream of the crop. Yeah. And they say, look what I did. And I'm like, well, you didn't do that. Like, there was a, a trainer in our area, and um, she's like, look what I did for this girl. And the girl looked amazing. I was like, yeah. holy fuck. She was a Hawaiian tropic, no, Hooters calendar girl Yeah. before she started doing bikini. Listen, you're a Hooters calendar girl on the international calendar. Yeah. You already have a base before you went to this girl. Absolutely. You basically did a little more cardio. Like, you didn't create this, but a lot of the trainers promote that they created these athletes and they did this and they did that, and it's just not true. You know, they're amazing genetic freaks. Like, a lot of people, like, if they went a show and see you want me to put up the pictures, they say, and people go, Jerry, good work. I'm like, I didn't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was 240 before he walked in here. We brought him down to 215. He did all the work. Yeah. You know, I told him to cut the shit and go do it. He did it. Yeah. So, you know, this is for us so that it helps his social media grow, not mine. Like, don't fucking think, don't tell me I'm doing good. He did it. Gotcha. You know, so I don't, yeah, I'm really iffy about some of those trainers. Like, they do shit like one trainer told this girl um, she passed out. And she was oh, like, well, you God. passed out because you ate too much asparagus. And I said, so she comes Whoa. to me and, like, I start working with her now. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, I took too much asparagus, so I passed out. Like, like I have common knowledge. Like, it's fucking everybody in the world knows. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's been in the Enquirer. Everybody knows. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, asparagus is a diuretic food. <laughs> I said, okay. I said, did she give you any pills? Yeah. She said, yeah. I said, what were they? She goes, I don't know. They're in a the baggie. I said, did you pee a lot? She goes, yeah. So she gave you diuretics. Yeah. I said, the diuretics made you pass out. Not the fucking asparagus, but the trainer. Wow. That's another thing these trainers do, too. So I worked with a, um, a very well-known athlete that came from a camp. Yeah. And when she got to me, she was bikini. And she told me about the drugs she was taking. And I was like, and I looked at all their notebooks and shit, and I was like, what drugs? And she pulls out this little baggie, and there were like several pills. The only reason I knew what they were, I knew what Geniza Pharmaceutical was, so I knew what it was. Yeah. When I asked her what it was, she goes, I don't know. So they would just give them certain amounts, say, take this pill this day, this pill that day, yeah. you know, this one, like, with whatever. And then every four weeks, they would give them another supply of them in a baggie. Oh, and shit. And the athletes didn't even know what the fuck they were taking. But when the athlete stops working with them and they're not taking them, they think they'll be able to train on their own. The drugs are not working anymore. Yeah. So they need the trainer because they think it's their program and them that the one that's you know doing it. Now, mind you, the trainer is selling them a program that probably works, but not as good as the drugs, then yeah. makes money off selling drugs, 
And it's like a crack dealer has them coming back for more because they're, you know, stuck on the physique. It's funny. I know an MMA athlete that was had the same issue going on. It was a doctor. Really? That was you know, the doctor was you know per, per, performing like massage and acupuncture and you know these different type of modalities, but they would give the athlete this box of pills that had multiple doses. It's like your grandma would have yeah. the big old like suitcase of, of pills, and he the athlete he would have to was. take had no. I was like, what the fuck is all this shit? He's like, I don't know. But the doctor told me I got to take it. So I talked to the doctor. I was like, what the fuck are you giving this athlete? It's like, oh, it's you know, just some basic anti-inflammatories. I said, bullshit. Bullshit. These athletes are going to fucking be drug tested. Yeah. He's like, well, no, no, no. It's all, all perfectly legal. Next day, all, it was gone. Really? Well, the whole little little briefcase was fucking gone. Yeah. Oh, and, shit. and the athlete for two weeks was like, my God, the doctor fixed me. It's like, no. And let's say it was, it was, <laughs> let's say it was just a really powerful anti-inflammatory. Let's yeah. say it was. The doctor's hand manipulation didn't fucking fix you. Yeah. The powerful pharmaceuticals reduced the fucking pain. They charge you for it, though. That's yeah, charge you extra for it. Charging, yep. I, I won't even. It was actually it was charging them, um, fucking like like eight grand a week. Fuck. Right. So we went to a chiropractor, and a friend of mine went too, and he had insurance, and I didn't, so I was just paying out of my pocket. Yep. So the same adjustment, the same thing, it cost me sixty bucks. Yep. When he got his insurance thing back, it was like six hundred, uh. and it was like each adjustment, like everything was like fucking tallied up, and I was like, what the fuck? Each it was like this one was two hundred, but the insurance said no, so they gave him one fifty, and I'm like, what the fuck? So basically, what he does normally for sixty bucks, he could bill an insurance company for. Absolutely. Ten times that. Yep. And then negotiate it to get more of, I was like, what the fuck? I had no idea. I'm like, what the fuck does this mean? I said, what did he do to you? Like, does, he goes, oh, he did this, this, and this. That's what he does to me. Does my neck, my upper back, my hip. Because yeah, I did all that stuff. Same thing. I said, did he fucking do anything else? He's like, no. I'm like, the fuck? So you made ten times the amount for that, you know, ten minute visit. Yep. I'm like, fuck. I mean, it's a racket. It's I mean, a racket. Everything's a racket. It's all a racket. So I know we got to wind down here. You got to get over to the, uh, the Super League. Super League. <laughs> Super League. Um, so what's next for Jerry Ward and BioS3 training? So this is kind of a busy part of the season. So I was in Australia and Dubai in March, and then okay. I had kind of a little bit of time off, and now I'm here. Then I go to uh, Real Weights for Real Heroes, August 19th sure. in Ohio with Mark Lobliner okay. for the veterans. So far, we're, I think, 27000 we've raised so far. That's awesome. So it's going to be huge. A big YouTube thing out there. Yeah. Then I go to um, the Olympia cool. in September. We'll be back here for the Olympia. And then I'm trying to get down to Tampa to do um, some stuff down with Rich Piana and um, uh, Nutrition Solutions, again, who's one of my sponsors. Yep. Which usually when I get down there, I announce that I'm going down to meet up with people. You know, wherever I go, I try to announce, hey, I'm going to be here training if you guys want to come. Okay. You know, show up and stuff like that. So you call those meetups? I mean, people call me. I just, I'm going to train. Yeah. Anybody want, you know, like, that's cool. I, it's, it's casual, you know? Yeah. If I'm going to eat afterwards and people want to go eat, we just we go eat, we do whatever. So. You ever have any, uh, any weirdos show up? Fuck, yes. <laughs> yeah. There was, <laughs> yeah. There was this guy, he, he was in the mall in, in Tyson's Corner in Virginia. Yeah. And he left his baby carriage with the kid in it and came running up to us. Oh, my God. And my wife was like, what the fuck? And he goes, are you Jerry Ward? And he starts like, and he starts like going rambling on. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? And like his wife comes out of the store and goes, what the fuck? And like yells at him because he left a baby cart in the middle of the goddamn mall. And he was talking about some kind of business. I don't know what it was. Oh God. So I hadn't seen him and you know, I met him that one time and I went to a show and he was there talking to Mark Lobliner. Yeah. And uh, I say, hey, Mark, what's going on? And he looks at me and the guy looks at me and goes, hey, Jerry, look. And he had a notebook with him. He was trying to pitch Mark like ideas. And I was like, what the fuck? I said, Mark, I got to go. I have to let the dog out. And I took off and left. <laughs> and then we were at um, the Olympia, and I'm outside talking to Frank McGrath, and this guy walks up, and he was like super like drawn out and thin. 
And I said, oh, are you waiting for Frankie? He goes, no, I'm waiting for you. Do you remember me? Like, he kept popping up places. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, there were public places that other people were at, too. But sure. I was just like, he was really creepy. And he would, like, shoot me up on Instagram. Like, what time are you going to the gym? Because he, like, lived in the area. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, and I was just like, it was just weird. It wasn't like, hey, Jerry, if you have time sometime, I'd love to work out. He'd be like, what time are you going to the gym? Almost like he's sitting outside in the car under the tree. Sure. Waiting for me to go to the gym. So, like, that was one time that was just like. Skit super intense. Weird, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you never know that if it's maybe just a little socially awkward yeah. and there's no bad intention, but there's a certain protocol that yeah, if you want to. I think it was the social awkward. I don't think he was dangerous, but you get the people that threaten you online for like, you know, yeah. you don't like coconut oil, I'm going to crush your head with a kettlebell. Like yeah. that was one of the comments. And like my wife sees that. Now she, you know, she's yeah. not into this stuff. She's only been into it since, you know, we've been together. But she reads this stuff and, you know, they said like, you know, hope your new Brady dog, your new dog Brady dies like your old dog. Like yeah. they say shit that like it upsets her. Yeah. And I got to kind of like, you know, blow it up. I'm sure you've gotten stuff before. You just want to reach for the computer and punch him in the face. Fuck but yeah. Like, Always anonymous, of course. Yeah. You know, where I'll, re- I'll respect tr- trolls. Troll me, no problem. But who are you? Yeah. Like I'm my, like all your shit's out there. You're yeah. fucking Jerry Ward. Everything you have is you 100%. Yep. So everybody knows it's not some some pseudonym, some made up fucking name. You got a problem with me, you disagree with me. Well just say it. Like yeah. we can debate you it. Can we can talk about it. I don't even care if you make fun of me, but like saying stuff that's just like I mean, maybe I'm just old and like yeah. I feel like my grandfather. I told my wife the other night I said, you know, we're getting to the point where my grandfather was like when I was a kid, bread was a nickel. Yeah. I'm like, when I was a kid, people didn't talk shit on the internet. Yeah. All right. They came up to you, said something, you punch them in the mouth. Like, I, I'm getting that crotchety old man type yeah. thing. Which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> cool. Jerry, I know we got to get you out of there. Uh, we could certainly go a hell of a lot longer. I uh, appreciate you so much for stopping by, making Absolutely, time man. out of your busy schedule while you're in town. This is awesome, man. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And where can people find you? BioStreetTraining.com. That's my website. And all my social media is Jerry Ward. Jerry so if you Ward. Type in Jerry Ward, it'll pop up. And your YouTube channel, how do they best? Bio Street Training. Yeah. Bio Street Bio- Bio- Training is the name of the channel, but if you type in Jerry Ward, it'll pop up under that too. So Cool. We appreciate you, sir. Okay. All right, everybody. Remember, don't count calories, make calories count. Boom! Because you can.